0: And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. It is great to have you here today
1: as we've been on this journey, just unpacking what it looks like for our church as we move into uh, this new season. And so we've been looking at our, our vision statement, which is leading people into, and what's the keyword? what's the key word? Transforming, Transforming into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And we've talked about just how that transformation takes place in our life, that we've got to know God, we've got to find freedom, we've got to discover our purpose. Like, Like every single one of us, we're not here by accident. There's a reason, there's a purpose that God has for all of us to fulfill. And discovering what that purpose is is a huge part of our lives becoming transformed to look more and more like him. And then the last one is we've got to make a difference. That you'll learn about about me, you'll learn about our church, that our church has to be one that is all about making a difference and an impact in the lives of other people. And then, and then we shift from that and we went into our values. And so, so far we've talked about uh, our uh, three values. One of them is excellence, that uh, we say this, that we're gonna do our best because God did his best. Then another value is transparency, that we're gonna choose to let people in and to live life without the mask, and that's not talking about our mask and social distancing, that's, that's kind of the inside part of our lives, that so many times um, we kind of go around and we kind of masquerade like everything is good on the outside, but on the inside we're struggling. You know, we're hurting, and so we want to we be the kind of church where there safe places for you to be able to let somebody know that, hey, I've got some things going on in my life, and, and allow us to be able to come alongside of you and to help you along the way. And then another uh, value that we talked about last week is the value of growth, and we said this, that, that we're going to allow God to change us, and change isn't easy, but we're going to allow God to change us because growing things change. And if we're going to experience growth in our relationship with the Lord, if we're going to experience growth uh, in our church, then we can't get locked into the way things have always been. And that's not, I'm not just talking about church, I'm talking about even in our own life. And so we talked about last week about what are some things in our life, like maybe there are some things that we're doing that we need to not do, but maybe there are some things in our life that we're not doing that God would have us start doing in order for us to become who he's created us to be. And today I want to share another value with you. And you know, none of these values are, are in, I'm not giving them in the order of importance because if I was, today's value would probably go first. The value that we're going to talk about today is the value of love. And here's a statement that, that, that you're going to hear us say a lot is that we're going to love everyone because Jesus loved everyone, period. We're gonna love everyone, not just the people that look like us, not just the people that behave like us, not just the people that kind of fall in in our kind of category or column of what we think they should and shouldn't do, but just like Jesus, we are going to love everyone. And I think there's an important thing that I wanna make sure that I defend differentiate there you go you got to slow down to say that word (laughs) is that loving loving doesn't mean that you're condoning or approving a behavior okay loving means that it doesn't matter who walks through these doors that they're not going to get the kind of stink eye from us they're not going to get the weird look like who are they walking through these doors you know we're going to be the type of people that love it doesn't matter who comes through these doors who shows up in this campus that that's what it needs to look like in our own lives that it doesn't matter who our past cross cross with that we are genuinely loving everyone because Well, because that's what Jesus did. So if you got your Bible today, I want you to uh, grab that or or your smartphone, and we're gonna jump over to John chapter 13 here in just a moment. But I want us to prepare our hearts. We pray this every single uh, Sunday morning just as kind of a declaration. telling the Lord or asking the Lord to just prepare our hearts to be receivers of all that he has for us. So, so grab a hold of your Bible, grab a hold of your, your smartphone and repeat this with me today. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. 1976, That was the year I was born. Any other 76ers in the room? Wow. 1976 in um, Spokane, Washington, uh, they had the Special Olympics there that year. And there was something that happened at the Special Olympics that year that caught the attention of the entire sporting community, really all across the world, You know, it was at the 100 Yard Dash event and nine participants who had been really preparing themselves for months, if not years, for this race. And they're all standing on the starting line, getting ready to take off as soon as the gun goes off. These nine individuals, there on the line, the gun goes off, boom, and they start running. And all nine of them coming off, and then one individual one runner, one runner who had looked forward to this very moment for months, if not years, looking for the opportunity to be able to to do the best that they can with hopes of maybe winning a race or crossing the finish line. This one runner stumbles and falls to the ground, rolls over two times and lands on their face and begins to cry. And what happened next after that moment is what really people talked about for years and years to come. That as this runner fell, tumbled, landed on their face, began to cry, the two runners that had nothing to do with that individual noticed and stopped running. The two runners who had prepared themselves just like, Every other person had prepared themselves for this race with the desire to finish, the desire to maybe even win, stopped running. They turned back and they went back to this runner that had fallen and picked the runner up, locked arms together, and they crossed the finish line, all three of them. It was a powerful moment that really a lot of people talk about as... Nine runners, one falls, six keep running, and two go back. You know, that day when that runner fell and the two stopped and they went back, that runner experienced what true love looks like. And that runner not just experienced it themselves, but every single person that was watching that day experienced That moment, as well, and when I read that story, I can't help but but to kind of think about, to kind of wonder, like, what would I have done? Like, if I was in that race and I was running and I had my dreams and my hopes just a hundred yards ahead of me, what would I have done? Would I have have stopped? Would I have, have have turned around, or would I have kept running? And then I began to kind of think and to kind of wonder, okay, who really won that race in the first place? Was it the six individuals that crossed the finish line all by themselves? Or could the real winners of that race have been the three, the two that went back, and the three that locked arms together and finished together? And you know, I got to be a little, a little honest, I'm really not sure what, what I would have done. You know, I would love to be able to stand up here and say, hey, I, I'm a pastor, and so it don't matter how difficult the decisions are, the situations that I always make the right decision, but the reality is, is I, I'm really not sure what I would have done if I was placed in that moment. And it's not that I wouldn't have gone back because I would genuinely have, have cared for that individual but for me, in my own journey in my life, so many times I can get so laser focused on kind of what I've got going on and what's important to me and the goals that I have that everything else around me becomes secondary. But I don't know if you've ever had that struggle in your own life. I don't know if you've you've ever ever struggled to to, to not be so laser focused in, in what you're what you're doing, but. When I look at Scripture and I look at, at the Bible and the things that, that God really talked about in Scripture, I think that he understood that you and I would, would really struggle with a gravitational pull of wanting to be focused on our own gains and the things that make us happy and the things that seem to be important to us. And I wonder if that's why Jesus spent so much time in Scripture talking about the attitude of of our heart, and one of the areas that really jumped out to me this week, as it relates to the attitude of our heart, is found in John chapter thirteen. And before we go in, and before we read that, I think it's important that we understand that as we read those these couple verses this morning, that we are, in essence, parachuting into the most important night in Jesus's life. That it's the night before Jesus goes to the cross that he's got 24 hours left to live and he knows how horrific the death is that he's about to experience. I mean, just that, that evening, he ends up going and having alone time with God the Father. And, and he has this moment where he begs of, of God to remove the, the suffering, to take away the suffering that he's about to endure. Like he understands how difficult of a moment he's getting ready to step into the next day. But then he kind of refocuses himself, and and he makes this statement that really should be the mantra of all of our lives. The statement is, is, is I want your will to be done, not mine. That I want, God, I want your will to be done in my life, not mine. And so here we are, the night before Jesus lays down his life on the cross, and and he's gathered all of his disciples, he's gathered those that are the closest to him for one last dinner together. And I know this might come across a little, a little morbid, but have you ever thought about what you would say if you found out you only had 24 hours left to live? Like this is one of those moments for Jesus. Like he knows that his time is limited. He knows he's only got a few hours left. And I I think about our lives and I think about like if we knew that we only had 24 hours left to live, like the way that we would treat those last 24 hours would be completely different than how we go about living our normal life. I think about myself and I think about if I knew I only had 24 hours to to live, I would make sure that I sat down my three kids and, and I shared with them how much I, I love them and how much I care for them. And, and, and I would ask them to, to forgive me. I, I would apologize for, for anything that I may have done as a, as a parent along the way that, that hurt them or, or created moments that, that they may struggle with, you know? And Because and, I, I don't know about you, but I never found the parenting book that helped us do it perfectly. Like, like we're learning, we're learning. It's, it's a learning process, parenting is. And, and I would have that moment, and then I would begin to share with them some things that I've learned in my own journey that will help them to be able to experience God's best in their life. But here's the thing, is that there's a lot of things that I've learned, a lot of wins, a lot of losses, a lot of mistakes. And so with 24 hours left to live, I've got to pick what I think is going to be the most important for them. And I would figure out whatever those things were and I'd share it with them. And then I would take some time and I would sit down with Andrea and I would, I would share you know, with her how much she's meant to me and, and, and how much of an impact she's made on my life and, and, and how much I love her. And then, then I'd begin to think about what are the things that I can share with her in my last 24 hours of living that would help her to be able to go on and to, to live a life that, that, that God would have her to live. And the reality is, is that if we don't read these, these verses in John chapter 13 from that context, understanding that these are Jesus's last moments, like he too has, has pondered all the different things that he's tried to teach the disciples up to this moment, and he finds himself hours before his death and he's got to he's got to 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 think about what he's going to say and he's got to pick just the very things that he thinks the most important for them and for us to hold on to in our lives. And so in that night he he has communion and i think what's interesting is that that you know we we did communion this morning and we read the new covenant like Jesus steps in and he says, there's a, "There's a new covenant this night." Before he goes to the cross, and then he washes their feet, and then now what we see is in John thirteen, verse thirty four that Jesus says this. He also gives them a new. He says, "So now I'm giving you a new commandment." So here Jesus is. He's told them earlier that night, "I've given you a new covenant," and now he's telling them, "I'm giving you a new commandment," and. The reason why he says a new commandment is because if you look in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus had made this statement about love in verse 37. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then look at this, verse 39, because this is, you gotta follow with me here. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this was a standard that Jesus had set to love your neighbor as yourself. That leading up to this moment, that was the standard. As yourself, like whatever degree that I love myself, that's the degree that I'm supposed to love other people. But here, hours before Jesus goes to the cross, knowing that he had to be very selective on what he had to say before he died, Jesus says this. He says, now there is a new standard. And the new standard for love, it's not you, but we see it right here in verse 34. It says, love each other just as I have loved you. Love each other just as I have loved you. Church, right here, I mean... If you're one of the disciples in this moment, like you recognize that this is a game changer because all that they have ever known to this point was to love other people the way that they've loved themselves. And now Jesus steps in hours before he goes to the cross and he gives them a new commandment. And the standard is no longer them, but it's him. I want you to consider that statement for a second. Consider the statement that we're supposed to love each other just as I have loved you. I mean, think about your own journey, think about where your life has been. In the past, think about your life before you came to know Christ. Think about your struggles even after you came to know Christ. Think about where your life is at now. Like I think about my own journey and I think about my own life and coming from a, a broken home and, and having to be, be, be sent to, to relatives all over the place because there was inconsistency in the home and my parents were in and out of, 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 of drug rehabs and alcohol rehabs. And I think about my own journey. Journey with drugs and alcohol, and navigating all that stuff, and the whole college, you know, uh, party scene, and all. And, and, and I think about all of that stuff, and and I think about where my life was headed. I think about the decisions, the the kind of decisions that I was making in that moment, and then and then I think about that Wednesday night, the Wednesday night in January when the Holy Spirit just showed up in such a powerful way in my life that I knew that there was a a better way to go, that I knew that the road that I was going on was gonna lead me to destruction. And, and, And Jesus, I invite Jesus into my heart and there was no stipulations, there was no, well, if you do all this stuff perfect from this point forward, then I'll come and I'll save you. Like it was, no matter what I had done, that the love of Jesus was extended to me in that moment, and that love covered, like it covered the bad decisions, it covered the mistakes, it covered the public sins, it covered the secret sins, like it was, it was a moment that, that I wasn't, Jesus wasn't inconvenienced, like, like it don't matter how many times I made promises and broke them, that the love was still there, and I think about that in my own life, and Jesus is like, you've gotta love others the same way that I've loved you, like, think about your own journey. I think one of, the, one of the things that become the most detrimental in our spiritual walk with the Lord is when we get disconnected from, from truly being grateful for what Jesus has saved us from. And I think about in this moment, like, like Jesus is saying to them and Jesus is saying to us, like, Here's what love looks like. Love no longer looks like, it's not defined by whether we feel like it. It's not defined by ourselves. It's not defined by if we're having a good day or a bad day, but Jesus is like, now it's being redefined. The new standard is me. The new standard is, is what have I done for you? That's the kind of love that you should give to others. It's a powerful moment that, that we've got to recognize. Like, like Jesus could have shared a lot of stuff, but he chose to say this. And he doesn't stop there. He begins to, to unpack the why behind this new standard in this next verse in verse 35. He said that, that your love for one another, like it's going to be so important that you love other people Not the way that you love yourself, but the way that I've loved you, why? Because it will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I mean, that's a powerful statement because we think about our own lives and our own journeys and we think about, well, what are all the things that we can do or we think that we do that prove to other people that we are followers of Jesus? And and there's a lot of things on that list that, that are great, like a lot of good things on that list, but Jesus is telling us that all of those things aren't the things that prove whether or not we are followers of Christ. What proves is that we love everyone because Jesus loved everyone. Like what really proves it is that we are sharing the love of Jesus, that the standard doesn't become whether we feel like it. The standard is that we're going to love people the way that Jesus loved people. You know, I came across this kind of interesting, interesting story, true story of the early church, the early days, the New Testament church. And there was a guy named Aristides and and he was sent by the Roman emperor, Hadrian, and he was sent to spy on these strange people called Christians. And so he went and, and he began to spy, began to observe their behavior, and he came back to the emperor with these powerful words that have really echoed throughout history. He said this, he said, Behold how they love one another like what became so moving for this individual and what has echoed through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later was the love that these christians had for one another and i began to think this week like If Aristides was to come to America and come to Evangel or come to any other church and spy on us and kind of observe our behavior and how we live our life, like like if he followed us to work and and followed us and was kind of spying on us while we're going to the grocery store and all that stuff, what would he, what kind of report would he give back? Do you think the report would be similar of, man, how much love they have? Or do you think that report might be a little different? You know, I think about the early church and when people walked into those early churches, like it, it didn't matter whether the person was slave or free. It didn't matter if they were Jew or Gentile or male or female or rich or poor or clean or dirty. They accepted them just as they were. And they loved them with the love of Christ. And as a result, Christianity and what Jesus has done for us began to move throughout the world to the point that you and I are beneficiaries of a love that was given a long, long time ago. And so what is Jesus' words? In John 13, what do these words mean for you? What do they mean for me? What do they mean for us as a church? I think it means that if we're gonna truly make a difference in this community like the early church did in their community, that we've got to create the kind of culture here at Evangel where people can encounter the love of God and that their lives can be transformed that we live in a community where love is is not all that prominent anymore. We live in a community that's, that's, that's divided, a community that it's quick to point a finger and what might it look like if evangel became a New Testament church where people walked onto this campus and it didn't matter where their lives were, it didn't matter how many spots were on their lives, it didn't matter what their struggles were, it didn't matter what we see on the outside compared to what they're experiencing and walking through on the inside. Like, what would happen if when they stepped onto this campus that they felt an overwhelming love from us to them? Like what would happen if they sensed just the presence of the Lord here? Not about a list of checking off a list of this showing us that we're followers of Christ, but they show up and they become moved by the overwhelming love of Jesus. Friend, I think about my own moment. I think about that salvation moment that I've talked to you a few times about. And you know what drew me in? Do You know what drew me to, to, to take a step out of the world that I was in into this kind of new unknown territory of following Christ? It was this moment that, that I experienced this kind of love from the Holy Spirit that I could not put words to, that I could not explain, that no matter how yucky and nasty my life looked like, the love was still extended. And it's the love of Christ that has caused me to continually lean in to the Lord, continually lay down things in my own life so that I could become more and more like Him. Church, I think through the years through the years, we've gotten in a bad habit of thinking that the way that we change people is by pointing out all the, the wrongs and all the mistakes that they do and just tell them they've got to do a better job. But I think the reality is is that our job as followers of Christ is to love them like Jesus loved us and to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of transformation in their lives. You know, I think back several Years ago, I want to close with this. Several years ago, I went to, um, I went to the grocery store. It was my day off, and went to Walmart. I went to Costco and got groceries for the week, and got them loaded up in the car and started to drive home. I, I had errands. I had things that I had had to do that day, but but I began to drive on my way home, and I saw. I saw this homeless man on the side of the road had a shirt, his shoes were just all beat up and I remember driving by and and it kind of snuck up on me and I I saw him and and I kept driving and I had this moment. I don't know if you've ever had this moment and maybe it's, it's with a homeless person, maybe it's a totally different situation but it's the moment that you pass by and you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but should I do something? Like, have you ever had one? I mean, and I pass by, and it's like these five to 10 seconds of wrestling in my heart with, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And I remember looking up in the rear view mirror, and the further away I got, the more I felt like maybe I shouldn't. And I continued to drive and eventually that guy in my rear view mirror ended up disappearing. And I remember in that moment, remember hearing the Holy Spirit whisper to me and say, Ryan, you're not gonna make a difference in this community like that. Friend, it was It was my 100-yard dash moment. I'd love to be able to stand up here and tell you all I pulled over and gave him all my food and his life changed and started coming to church and all that. No, I stand before you this morning saying that I was one of the six runners in that moment that kept running. And the Holy Spirit was like, Ryan, not gonna make a difference in this community like that. Friend, we all, we all are in our own 100-yard dash races every single day. For some, it might be a connection, it might be passing by somebody on the side of the street. And us wrestling with whether or not this is, listen this is my wrestle. Do they really need it or not? But sometimes I wonder is that even my responsibility to find the answer to that? Or is it my responsibility to respond with whole, what the Holy Spirit lays on my heart in the moment? We've all got a race to run. We've all got moments along the way that the Holy Spirit is prompting us, prompting us to step outside of our comfort zone, prompting us to be inconvenienced a little bit, prompting us to look past whether or not they deserve it or not. And friend, when you think about all those kind of reasons why we don't do it, I thank God that he never used that reason to not reach you and I. You know, we're four weeks away from Easter Sunday, four weeks away from that moment that Jesus stopped in the middle of the race and he turned around and he came to you and me. And he joined arms with us. And he said, Let's keep moving. Friend, we're four weeks away from an opportunity an opportunity to really have a choice. Am I going to love other people the way I love myself? Which means if I feel like inviting people, I will. If it doesn't get in the way of my schedule, I will. Or we love people the way that Jesus has loved us. And then we'll begin to share the love of Christ with them. We'll, we'll, we'll have the difficult conversation and invite them, not because we feel like it, but because they matter to God. you know, I've been on my own transformation journey, and I've kind of learned in my own life that loving the others, loving others the way Jesus has loved us, that it's not, it's not a switch that we flip whenever we come to church. It's not a switch that we flip when we participate in an outreach event, that it's what God has called us to live and to do in every area of our life every single day of the week friend if we are truly grateful and thankful for what we have been saved from I think God's desire would be that we would respond in such a way the freedom and the life that we experience isn't something that we keep to ourselves, but it's something that even if we feel a little inconvenienced, even if we don't quite know the words to say, but we're willing to share it with others. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word's not always easy, but Lord, it's necessary it's necessary for us to apply to our lives so that we can become who you've created us to be. Lord, I pray that in our own personal lives and even in the life of our church, Lord, that we would be known as people that love like Jesus has loved us. Lord, that we would be known as a church that, that loves people like Jesus loved them. Lord, I lift up today those that Lord they 've had some struggles in their life they 've had some difficult they 've had some hurt they 've had some rejection they 've had some wounds that have been been deep in their emotional lives and Lord it 's easy to, to protect those hurts it's easy to protect those wounds to try to avoid being Hurt again, But, Lord, really the challenge that you've given for all of us is to not allow our hurts and our wounds to determine how we love others. That, Lord, you've given us a new commandment. And that new commandment is to extend forgiveness and to love like you have loved us. So, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would live that way. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never experienced the love of God. Maybe you've been around church, maybe you've been around Christians, but but you've never really felt that moment where your life was invaded with the love of Jesus. Friend, we can't love other people like Jesus loved us if we've not received his love. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, I I wanna lead you in a prayer. I wanna lead you in a moment of inviting the presence of Jesus into your life, a moment that radically changed my life and you can have it too. With every head bowed and I closed, if that's you today, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I do wanna see who I'm praying for and I wanna pray for you today. If right there where you're seated, you just kinda slip your hand up for a second and you put it back down. You say, Ryan, I've, I've, I wanna receive the love of Jesus today. I wanna give my life to God. If that's you, yep, just slip it up and put it back down. Would you repeat this prayer with me and church family? Would you repeat along with me? Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Come into my life Forgive me of my sins. Today I surrender to you. Fill me with your love so that I could love others the way you loved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, would you congratulate those that have prayed that prayer today? Listen, if you prayed that today, Salvation, receiving what Jesus has done for us is not the finish line, it's the starting line. And so I wanna encourage you after the service today, our prayer team is gonna be up here in the front and they would love the opportunity just to be able to celebrate with you and to kind of help you get started on this new journey. Um, I'm gonna be available out at the guest services. Um, Feel free to come and talk to me. Um, This is an exciting moment in your life. Don't let it just kind of slip away when you go out these doors, but hold in because it's an awesome, awesome journey. Well, listen, I wanna mention a few things uh, before we... Uh, go to the Lord and worship with our tithes and offerings. Um, our kids is reopened, and so um, we're excited about that. Um, I want to also mention that um, if for some reason we are on live right now, that at twelve o'clock every Sunday we've got our online kids experience uh, that gets posted on our Facebook page for those uh, kids that are not comfortable coming back yet, uh, and so we've got that available for the kids. Uh, want to mention that this. Wednesday night at 630. Our youth are getting together again for another party, another kind of social kind of hangout. Um, So not live stream this week. This week is all about food and games and laughter. So uh, 6.30, uh, that'll be 6.30 this Wednesday. So all, if you're middle school or high school, make sure you come and uh, be a part of that. And I did want to mention to you, I mentioned about being four weeks out uh, from Easter. So we got a few things that I just want to mention to you about Easter weekend. Uh, This year, we're going to do a Good Friday Easter service. And so that will be at 630 on Friday night. It's going to be about an hour uh, service. It's going to have just a powerful time of of worship. We're going to receive communion together on that Friday. Um, We're going to talk just, it'll be a little devotional um, that we'll do, but it's just going to be a real kind of solemn, kind of sacred moment for us to come together as we begin to remember um, all that Jesus has done for us. And then on a Easter Sunday, we're going to have one service at ten thirty. We'll have the cafe open for overflow uh, if we need that. We'll also um, make sure that we got our live stream working. But um, if you don't want to miss Easter, you might want to be here instead of trying to watch online. Uh, but uh, Um, So that'll be at 1030. And then uh, what we're going to do this year is we're going to have our uh, egg hunt, but we're going to do a little different because of COVID. So we're going to do the egg hunt after the service on Easter Sunday, and it will take about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And so when the service is over, we'll dismiss and you can go check out your uh, kids out of uh, kids church. And then we'll go here in the back uh, uh, lawn back here, and we'll have it all segmented out for different ages, so you don't have to worry about, you know, your little toddler getting ran over by a fifth grader or anything like that. <laughs> we'll have it, we'll have, or me, because I can get pretty brutal out there going for the eggs. But, um, but we'll have the egg hunt after the service, and that won't take long. You'll be able to do that, or maybe you just want to watch and hang out for 20 minutes, and then and then go and and do Easter meal with family and stuff. But um, it's going to be a great great time. We're really looking forward to um, not just us being able to go into a powerful weekend of just being thankful for all that God has done, but but also being able to share that powerful moment with those around us. Well, would you stand with me today? Um, I wanna mention that uh, in giving, that you'll see on the screens, uh, the different ways that that you can give. Uh, There's offering um, envelopes in the seat back in front of you. Um, on the boxes as you go out, the black boxes, you can place your gift in that. And uh, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. We talked about love today. And uh, when you look at John three sixteen, it says that God so loved the world that he gave. That he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And I think when I look at, at Andrea and, and my giving and our faithfulness in giving, it really is an attitude of the heart. We give not because we have to. We give because we are so thankful for all that God has done in our lives and we want other people to experience it too. And so we thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Well, I'm gonna pray over our giving and then the band's gonna go into one more song and then we'll dismiss today. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence here and we thank you, God, for your faithfulness in our life. Lord, today as we give back to you, Lord, as we sow seed into making a difference in this community, Lord, I pray that you would multiply it in our life and the life of this church that we may accomplish all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.